This episode is brought to you by my signature program, Play Cafe Academy, and my group coaching program, Playmaker Society. If you want to learn more about how you can become a member in either program, head to the show notes or episode description wherever you are listening. Not only do my programs give you the complete blueprint to get from daydream to opening day in your play-based business, it will also teach you how to operate profitably and live the life that you truly dreamed of when you decided to launch this business. So head to the show notes and I look forward to welcoming you inside of my programs. If you own or manage an indoor play center or really any business that serves local kids and families, and you want to operate with more ease and joy all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for small but mighty tips every weekday that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play-based business. All right, Playmakers, this is part four in my mini series on how we as business owners can better accommodate autistic kids and adults. And this is going to be my last episode in this series, at least for a little while. I still definitely plan on sharing more tips and strategies on how we as business owners can be more inclusive as the tips come to me or as you guys message me. Because in the last couple episodes, I asked you guys, I said, hey, If you have any tips or anything I didn't mention or anything that you want to add to this series, please email me, please message me. I would love to share your tips with all of you guys, with all of the listeners of this podcast. And luckily, one of you guys did message me a tip. So Katrina, and by the way, thank you so much, Katrina, for messaging me. She is a Play Cafe Academy and Playmaker Society member, and she messaged me on Instagram, and she is currently in the process of opening Little Village Play, and she's also a trained special education teacher. And she messaged me the concept of universal design, and it was such a great reminder. And she kind of talked to me about how we as business owners should really do our best to incorporate universal design from the ground up. But for those of us with currently open businesses that maybe had to adapt to a previous business or maybe we didn't do a complete build out, there are ways that we can incorporate the concepts of universal design in our existing spaces. So the definition that I really liked for universal design is the design and composition of an environment like an indoor playground so that it can be accessed, understood, and used to the greatest extent possible by all people, regardless of their age, size, ability, or disability. And another sentence from the same article that I wrote down that really resonated with me is, while universal design promotes access for individuals with disabilities, it also benefits others. And I thought that was really important. And Katrina brought up to me in this Instagram message about the mindset shift that we as business owners need to make to truly be inclusive. And again, it all revolves around universal design. And she is so right. I've said multiple times throughout this mini series that while the tips that I'm sharing here are specifically geared towards helping us as business owners better accommodate autistic kids and adults, most of them are really universally beneficial to all kids that play in your space and really every single person that walks through your facility doors 
on a daily basis. So that's the big mindset shift that we need to make as business owners. So I highly encourage you to do your own research about universal design, or you can join Playmaker Society where, like I said, we're going to be welcoming more guest experts and where I already have an advanced training about this exact topic. So in this podcast episode, I'm going to give you three tips on how to better accommodate autistic kids and adults with your existing space. So as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, this podcast is really geared towards current owners. So I really wanted to give three tips that can be easily implemented in an existing space. All right. So my first tip is that whenever you have a sign that you need or want a child to be able to understand, make sure you use images and not just words. And this one might seem like a no brainer, but I can't tell you how many play spaces I've visited that have word only signs at children's eye level. And a lot of these facilities accommodate kids like under six years old who likely can't read yet. And a lot of times autistic kids start to read a little bit later than their peers, or they might be nonverbal. So using imagery and signage is really, really important. An example is I was recently at an indoor play space when I was doing a YouTube tour. And the owner mentioned to me that she's having a lot of trouble keeping some of the older kids out of the baby area. And she kind of pointed to this sign and it said, you know, no kids over two in this area. And she was like, I I just don't get it. I don't know how to better portray this message. And I said, well, you know, most kids that visit your facility can't read yet. And their parents, even if they read it to them, it can often be really difficult for the kids to understand that language. So what we did for the baby area specifically is, sure, I put no kids over two, or in our case, it was 18 months allowed in this area, but then we put a clip art picture of a baby. And it was really easy for parents to point out that, hey, this area is for babies. And that image was much easier for my son specifically to understand, but also all kids that are below reading age. And it really helped that message sink in that, oh, you know, I'm a big girl or I'm a big boy. This area is for babies. And I would often overhear parents use that language to kind of encourage their kids to follow the rules and play safely. So like I said, if there's a hand-washing station in the bathroom, if they're not supposed to go in an area, any message or rule or boundary that you want kids to be able to understand, especially ones that are autistic, make sure you use a variety of different mediums, so images and words. And this is going to better empower parents and your staff members to help their kids enforce the rules. And a lot of times, and in this place specifically, a lot of the adult seating was pretty far away from these areas. So the parents weren't always like on top of their children playing. So a child could easily glance at that sign, see that it's a baby, and hopefully understand with the help of staff and their parents that that's an area that they're too old for or that they can't go in. So always use images for signage and not just words. My second tip is to try to have a quiet corner or a quiet room. Now, we weren't able to have a quiet room just because of our size and our setup, but darn, I wish we would have put one in. So we had an area in the corner that was really multi-purpose, but most times it functioned as a quiet corner because I realized pretty shortly after opening that all kids just sometimes get overwhelmed or throw a tantrum or 
maybe a mom needs a quiet place to nurse because her baby is too distracted to latch or something like that. But having a quiet corner is another thing that will really empower all families of all children to have one extra area to bring their kids if they just need a minute, or if maybe they weren't following the rules and they need to regroup, or maybe if they just need a little sensory break. So I highly recommend having at least a quiet corner that is away from the play area. So ours was on the cafe side of our facility. It was not in the play area. Just give parents a place to take their kids that are feeling a little bit overwhelmed or need a little bit of a break. Now for a quiet corner, I always recommend having a variety of things available because as we know, all kids are different. So We had a lot of calming things. So we had those like lava lamp type of things. I love when businesses have those big lava lamp fixtures either on their walls or standing up. I think those are so cool and such a great investment. Again, for all kids that need a little break, not just autistic kids. And I love when businesses have little calming things. So for example, we used to have a little electronic fishbowl that just played this really calming music and it just was so calming and soothing to all kids, but especially my son, I found anytime he needed a little break, I would sit him in the quiet corner and he would either play with one of the fidget toys or a fine motor skills activity, or maybe we would have a sensory bin over there that day, or just use one of those soothing music toys just to kind of bring his focus back and distract him from whatever had triggered him previously. So I mentioned have a basket of fidget toys or a sensory bin or puzzles or anything like that. I kind of mentioned that in a previous episode in this series, but just know there is a risk that if you put a basket of those smaller toys, like let's say they're fidget toys or anything like that, or any sensory toys, there is a risk that it's going to be really difficult to pry those toys out of kids' hands before they leave. And that might just set off another tantrum. So when I was living in North Carolina, I visited a play space that had tons and tons of dinosaurs like on the way out, right where kids like put on their shoes and coat and got ready to go. And we stopped visiting there because every single time my son would want to grab a dinosaur on the way out. And, you know, of course I was really firm with him and said, well, these belong here. These belong in the play area because they were so close to the exit, it caused a huge disruption and a huge tantrum every single time. He was really able to differentiate, you know, that the toys in the play area stayed in the play area, but because these were outside the play area, it was a little bit confusing to them. So use this tip with caution and it might not be a good fit for your space, depending on where your quiet corner or quiet room is located in your facility. Now in that same facility, however, they did have a sensory room where it was dark. There was really calming music. There was a lot of the lava lamp tube type things. A lot of, um, there was an exercise ball. There was a swing, all sorts of things that are perfect for a sensory break. And again, I know not all of you guys listening to this podcast have the bandwidth or the space for this type of room. So I'm going to reserve all of those tips for Playmaker Society So if you want tips on that type of thing, head over there. The link is in the show notes, but again, use, use that tip with caution. So what I found is really helpful instead of this is we invested in a ton of wall toys. So you can see pictures like this on my Instagram or on my Facebook, or they're all over my YouTube channel, but 
we invested in a lot of wall toys and we got them from sensoryedge.com. I love that website. Think like doctor's office waiting area games, but the wall toys were so helpful for our quiet corner because they were fixed to the wall. So they were really able to redirect kids and um, really dissipate their tantrums and calm them down without having to risk them, you know, throwing another tantrum when they had to give up a fidget toy or a sensory toy or something like that. So I love wall toys and also wall toys are just a really great idea all over your space. So at check-in, in the bathrooms, in your quiet corner, along your play area wall, anywhere where kids need to wait. Because again, this is something that will benefit all kids, but especially kids in wheelchairs who are going to be right at eye level likely of the wall toys, kids with autism, or really kids with any disability that just need a break or maybe can't access climbing structures or some of your other play equipment really interactive and engaging wall toys. And there are some really cool ones out there. Ours were Haba, H-A-B-B-A. And we invested in all sorts of panels and toys and things like that. And it really helped us, again, benefit every single kid that played in our space, but especially kids with autism and especially kids with really any physical or intellectual disability. So that is a perfect example of using universal design in your play space. So those are my three tips on how to be better accommodating to autistic kids and families in your play space. Number one, use images and not just words on signage. Number two, have a quiet corner. And then number three, incorporate wall toys anywhere in your space that you're able to. It's really going to also open your space up. So a lot of times, especially in smaller play spaces, it's hard to invest in those larger climbing structures or sets or playhouses or anything like that. So once we incorporated wall toys, it really allowed us to serve more kids at a time. And it allowed us to boost our profits because the play area was more spread out. Not everybody was kind of congregating in the playhouses and on the climbing stuff and on the slides. And it just opened our space up. And yes, it better accommodated kids with disabilities, but it also benefited, like I said, every single person that played. All right. I hope you enjoyed this series. Again, if you have any tips or any strategies, I would love to share them. Thank you again, Katrina, for sending me an Instagram message. It is so, so appreciated. And like I said, reach out to me if you have anything that you would like to share, because I would love to expand on the series at a later date. But for now, we're wrapping this one up and we are jumping into a new topic tomorrow. I'll see you then, playmakers. Playmakers.